Ephesians first, if you would, because this is going to tie right into our, um, our message today. And uh, we're going to talk about rest and um, the rest that God has ordained for us. You know, Jesus said if, uh, he said that we were to come to him and that we would get, that we would receive rest. And uh, thank you guys. Amen. You guys are awesome. Wonderful. So what is that rest and how do we walk in that rest? And so we're going to look at a couple of different things here today. I've really enjoyed this uh, journey through Hebrews. And, uh, you know, last week we talked about, and if you missed that, you want to get uh, that podcast is up um, online. And um, uh, because we talk about how that Jesus was manifested to destroy that it tells us that he the son of God appeared was manifested to destroy the works of the devil to destroy death and to take away the fear of death for those as the scripture says who were all their lifetime afraid or subject to that power of death death has not been eliminated but the fear of death has been eliminated and that's listen that's more important for you and I for us to be able to to be able to live if we want to live we have to get the fear of death out of our lives or we will all our lives be subject to that fear of death okay and death is a reality but death for the believer is the cessation here and the introduction there that we pass basically through the veil into the heavens we're not like you know I mean it, it's not like it's a long process it's like you're here you're there. Amen. Everybody say here, here, there. Okay. But while you're here, if you're living in that fear of what the veil is all about or what's beyond that veil, then what happens in your life, you start making bad decisions. You start allowing that fear to control and manipulate and deal with your life. And Jesus came and it says very clearly in Hebrews 2, 14, to destroy to destroy him who had that power of death, to take that away to the word destroy there in verse 14 means that he made it, rendered it harmless, useless. It doesn't work anymore, okay? It's rendered useless. Not that it might work just a little bit. It doesn't work at all. But the, your debt, the, listen, your adversary wants you to think it still works, right? Because if he can do that, then he can convince you and I to live subjugated to the fear while we're still here on earth. Uh, I am a great believer that we do not have to wait till we get to heaven to experience heaven. That heaven has been already determined for you and I on earth. That it says we're to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whatever's going on in heaven, I want it in my life here on earth. Can I get an amen? amen? And so don't buy into the bill of goods that you won't get to experience heaven. I mean, Jesus told us, don't, that's not how you pray. You don't pray that someday you'll get it. You start praying now that what's there is happening here. It's happening here for you right now. Provision, you know, health, all those things that God has determined in heaven for you, answers to questions. You don't have to wait until you're dead to ask God your questions. Okay? So, I know this is hard for our religious mindset because our, our religion does not teach that. But the Bible does. You know, the Bible teaches a lot of stuff religion doesn't teach. 
Religion is man-made effort. That's what I want to show you right here in Ephesians chapter 2. And so let's look at verse, um, verse 8. I know this is a verse that you're going to be very familiar with. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Lest any man should boast. All right? So how are we saved? We are saved by grace, through faith. It's through the faith that we have in God and what God has done. And this is really important to, to understand how faith works in our life. Grace is God's part. That means he's already decided to gift us and to give to us. Faith is our part, okay? The great battle that we will fight in our lives is the battle of faith. It'll be believing what God has said and resting in the fact that God said it and it's coming to my life. Keeping our declarations, our decrees in our lives in line with what God has already said over our lives. And that's a tough battle. In fact, it talks about in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says that when he said, look, Timothy, I'm telling you this, that you could fight a good warfare because there is a warfare that's involved with your faith. Whatever God has said for you, there is a warfare, but your warfare is not against the devil. Your warfare is against you. It's against your own stinking thinking. Look at your neighbor and say, stinking thinking. And look, we have it. And it, man, look, it, and it doesn't always manifest all the time, but when it does, you should have like an, a sensor, an alarm in your life called the Holy Spirit that says, that is stinking thinking. You shouldn't be thinking that way. Okay? So the scriptures say that here that, look, it's by grace that you have been saved. So whatever was determined for salvation for your life, now listen, we'll take it to another level. Whatever is determined for healing for your life, whatever has been determined for prosperity for your life, has already been determined. When we go to God about healing in our bodies, we're not asking God to heal us. We are receiving what God has done for us. See how different that is? Because if we think somehow, look, just let's just lay it on the line. If we think that we need to get God to do something, then we think we play a part in making it happen. Our part is to believe he has already decided what he's going to do. I heard someone say the other day, they says, well, I just, I don't know why the Lord, he's decided not to heal me. And I, as soon as it just like, it, it was a bra it wasn't anybody in the church here. It was abrasive to me because God isn't in heaven going, okay, I'll heal this one, and I'll watch how, look how bad this is. I'll heal this one, this one, and this one, but not that one, okay? So here's what happens. The one that says not that, the one that's the not that one thinks they didn't do something to deserve to receive it, to merit it. And that's not how healing he comes. Healing comes through the grace of God, through his determination. He's already established this in his word for you and I. Amen. So when I pray, you know, people say, well, then why, why should we pray? 
One, we're praying. When we pray, we are declaring into this earthly realm what God has already established in the heavens for us. Amen. And when we pray, we are laying out our petitions before God of things that we are asking him to take care of in our lives, that we already know he said. You can't petition God for something he hasn't already said he would do. Because God, think about, one, God in his infiniteness has already made determinations for our lives. He says, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. And look, when he said that in Jeremiah, he didn't say, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, and they change day by day depending on what you do. They do change depending on what you believe, okay? Faith is that you're saying, I'm going, what is faith? Now faith, we'll see this in Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things that are not seen, all right? So by faith, what I'm saying is, I choose to believe what God has said. Doesn't change God because I believe in him. It just changes God to me. It changes how I view what he has said in his word. So there's this mentality that we could get in our lives that somehow we think it's, we gotta work stuff up to make things happen, all right? We have to work things up to make things happen. And the truth is, is what his word says is, is that you're saved by grace and it's not of works because if you had something to do with your miracle besides the fact that you just received it and believed that God could do it, then you could claim that you were responsible for it or you played a responsibility in it. Your responsibility is just to believe what God has said. So now I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And this is where we're going to pick up today. Because we're going to talk about rest. Because there is a rest for the people of God. And there is a rest that we are, that God has ordained for you and I uh, to be able to live and to operate in. And just to kind of give you a little evidence to this whole idea, I know you're there in Hebrews 4. I want you to just look at the, the verses right before it. Okay, verse 16, for who, have, who having heard rebelled, indeed was it not all who came out, this is in chapter three, came out of Egypt led by Moses. Now, what, look, what did the Israelites have to do with getting out of Egypt? They didn't have anything to do with it. God did it, amen? He did the work, right? They didn't have 10 things they could do. All of it, all Moses had to do was just do what God said to do. But God had already decided how he was going to deliver the Israelites out. You know, it wasn't a day-by-day -day thing that God was going, okay, well, that didn't work, so let's come up with something else. God knew it was going to take 10 things to happen. I mean, how big is your God? How big is your God? God knew it was going to, Pharaoh's heart was going to be hardened. He warned Moses. He said, he's going to harden his heart. And, and I don't care how miraculous, how stupendous, how wonderful what happens happens. I already know how this is all going to play out. But I'm going to bring you out. So don't worry about that. You're coming out. Okay? Now, look at this. It says, so he brings them out. They get out in the wilderness. They're going along. And then it says, now with whom was God angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And whom did he swear 
that they should not enter his, and what's the next word in your Bible? Rest. But to those who did not obey, they did not stay in faith that he could do, that he is God, that he could do exactly what he said he was going to do. So, verse 19, we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. And so we, he's using this as an example of saying the promised land is the rest that God had promised to them. Now, were they going to work in the promised land? Sure they were. But there is a rest, a, a rest of what, a, 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 a rest that comes to their life of that they are set free from the bondage of Egypt, that they're walking in the promises that God has established for them in that promised land instead of being in the wilderness. But they, because of unbelief, because they would not believe what God said. That's why they didn't obey what God said or didn't honor what God said. Now, when you get to chapter four, it says, therefore, chapter one, or verse one, excuse me, since a promise remains of entering his rest, that's a promise to us, let us fear, lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Now watch, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So how do I get into rest? I get into rest by mixing faith with the word that I'm hearing. Okay? And if I don't mix faith with it, then what is this verse telling me? that I'm missing out on the promise that I have for rest, what real rest is for you and I. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it, for we who have believed to do enter that rest, as he said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished, so the works are done. What's been determined has been determined by God. And he has given us his word to tell us what he is going to do. You know, how all this plays out in the world, I, you know, when you think about all the things that are going on in the world, I don't care how hairy it looks out there, it's not over till God says it's over, okay? So, you know, I know we have people just like alarmists that are like, this is it, this is the end. And, I, and look, maybe this is the end, but I'll tell you what, we only see the signs that this is the end. That doesn't mean we're there yet, right? When you decide to go to wherever, you know, you're going to go to Branson, Missouri or wherever, you're going to see a lot of signs before you get there, but you ain't there until you cross the last sign that says, welcome to Branson, right? You're going to see a lot of signs that say this is the end, but it's not the end until you see the last sign that says, welcome to the end. Here's your sign. Thank you. He said, look, he said, today, if you will hear his voice and do not harden your hearts, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day that there was a rest. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Okay. So stop with me just for a minute. Look up here. You know, God created the heavens and the earth in how many days? Six days, right? On the seventh, what did he do? He rested. Now, 
God did not rest because he was tired. Okay? God did not rest. Now, stay with me. God did not rest because uh, he just needed a break from what he was doing. God did not rest for any other reason than he knew what he had done was done. And he stopped. In six days, he had created perfection. In six days, he created perfection. He created the, the, the universe. In six days, he created the animals. In six days, he created all this. And it was all, and he looked at it, and he said, what? It's good, right? And so when he was done, what did he do? He rested in what he had done. He rested in his, that, look, I've created what is good. I've done this. And so now I stop. He stopped creating. And truthfully, God has not been creating since he started create, finished creating there. After that day, he, he's not, you know, he's not making, as far as we know anyways, nowhere in scripture does it tells us that he continues to create. The breeds of tree that are here are here. Already. The animals, they're here already. Now, man, mankind tries to create stuff, obviously, and splice things and hybrids and all those other things. But what's here that God saw as good has already been created. Let me tell you a little, and this, you know, because we live in a world that talks all about all these difficulties that are coming because the earth is going to run out of resources and you know, and everything's going to be catastrophic. All right. What God created was good, and he created it enough that it will last until he foresaw the end. We will not run out of resources. I don't think we need to be stupid and destroy our world, all right? But I think that, look, we will not run out of resources until the end. I mean, how big is your God? And so what he created, he saw was good. And he knew, look, he already knew about you coming along in 20, you know, you being alive in 2020, what is this year? Two, yeah, 2022. <laughs> I don't know if we really care what year it is anymore, do we? I mean, it's like, what? I have to always stop and think on my checks when I write a check, you know. But Look, it says that, look, when he was done, he who entered, he has stopped. He entered his rest, has himself ceased from his works as God did from his. What he's saying here is that, look, these Israelites, they could have, they just needed to rest in what God had said. But instead, they started thinking they were the ones that had to beat the enemy. They were the ones that had to get rid of the giants. They were the ones that had to take down the high walls. They were the ones that had to make all this. Oh, we know God said that, but we still got to go in there and do it. And if we were the ones that got to do it, how do we know it's going to work? We don't think it is going to work. And that's no different than the believer today that looks at the promises of God and what he has said and still think somehow that we are responsible to make that happen. We are not the ones responsible to make that happen. We are the ones responsible to believe it and enter into the rest that the work has already been done. 
And anybody that tells us anything different than that is just trying to get us into religion once again, where it's all about what you do to make this happen. And if you keep doing it and you do enough of it and you make enough of it, you know, it's just like fasting. Oh, man, you need to fast and, you know, so the hand of God will move. Baloney. You don't fast so the hand of God will move. If God had already decided to move his hand, you starving yourself is not going to make him do it. Can I get a good amen? What you're doing is getting yourself in alignment in fasting with who God is, what he said he would do already. You're, already, you're saying, look, if I'm missing it in an area of my life, God, I want you to show me because I totally, absolutely want to enter into your rest and I am not at rest. The word rest actually, you know, is, that's used here over and over is the word Sabbath, which is a reference to what happened in the book of Genesis, that he entered into rest. And so he established this so that we could be in that kind of a place in our lives where we enter into his rest. He has ceased from his works as God did from his. Look on here with me. Let us therefore, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. I just think that, I think this is just really, this is tough. That's a tough verse, and I'm going to tell you why it is. Because he didn't say, well, be diligent to enter the rest, lest anyone fall according to the same exact example of ignorance. He said disobedience. So the reality is, is that if, we don't be, if we're not diligent to enter into what God has already said for us and to rest in that, to cease from our own works and say, God, I totally, absolutely trust you that you're at work in this situation, that all we're doing is we are setting ourselves into an opportunity for disobedience towards the Lord. And then he goes on and says, for the word of God is living. Do you believe that? It's living. It's not just a bunch of paper with words on it. It's a living thing and powerful because it comes from a living being. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner and the thoughts of the intentions of the heart. And there is no creature, no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God expects us to enter into his rest. That's why your Bible tells you not to worry. Don't be troubled. I mean, how many times does God have to say it? And, and you know, we'll go, okay, I'm not going to worry, 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 I'm not going to worry. That is not how you don't worry. Okay? Well, I'll just drink some alcohol and I'll stop worrying. No, because you will come off the alcohol and then you'll be worrying more and you'll feel guilty because you didn't handle it the right way. I'll take drugs. I'll do whatever. I got, I got to quit worrying. Look, medications, no matter how you choose to self-medicate in your life, will never solve a problem. They only prolong the problem. Okay? And I'm all right. Look, if you're in pain, I get it. Take, do what you need to do to deal with it, but always realize that eventually you're going to have to face the music and deal with what the real problem is. You're going to have to deal with it. Is this too hard? Look. Isaiah, thank you. In our world, we would think God would tell us that what we need to do is to 
work harder because that's what religion teaches us. Work harder, do more, and you will have more, you'll accomplish more, and you'll receive more in your life because you are working harder, okay? But Isaiah 30 and verse 15 says this, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And then he goes on and says, but you would not. Healthcare professionals have traced billions of dollars of medical conditions to overwork. And I'm not just talking about the physical, even the spiritual aspect of it. Trace billions of dollars of medical conditions to overwork, including heart disease, cancer, lung ailments, accidental injuries, and cirrhosis of the liver, just to name a few. A CNN study released earlier this year showed that those who work 11 hours a day uh, are 250% more likely to become depressed than those who only work eight hours a day. That work is not, look, what it, even though in our physical, because see, when we work, we think we're in control, right? I mean, honestly, if I do more, I'll have more. That's what the world system teaches us. And, and I believe in hard work. Look, a man's going to eat, he needs to work. I absolutely believe that. But I also know that if we do not learn to enter into rest, and rest, look, rest, because this is what kind of what we've done in, in our world, is we've equated rest with distraction. That rest is go on vacation, okay? Everybody that goes on vacation comes back tired. Everybody. Because all you, look, you didn't deal with anything that was going on in your heart. You just got away and got distracted from what was going on in your life. I love vacation. But the thing is, is that I, there isn't a single one. I don't care if you went and saw the mouse. I don't care if you went and went, you know, you sat on the beach. At the end of it, you come back. Unless you have entered into his rest... Your physical body is not rested. I, that was one of the words that was given to me, actually, by uh, Suzanne Farrell before uh, when, when the virus first hit back in, was it 2020? The early part of 20. And she said, Pastor, I was praying for you, and the Lord told me to tell you to make sure that you take time to rest. Now, I didn't take that as make sure you take time to sleep. I take that as take time to rest. And what that means is make sure that your focus is always in the work is already done by God. Think of how that changes everything in your life. The work is already established by God. God has already said with his sharp two-edged sword of his word that's living and powerful, he's already said what his plan is for your life. So do I need to be worrying about what's coming next? I don't need to worry about it because I've entered into his rest there isn't anything i could do stuff and i think you should take care of yourself i absolutely believe that i do believe that you should eat right i do believe you should get plenty of you know sleeping at night i believe all those things i even think you're it's okay if you take a nap every day i don't have a problem with that all right what i do have a problem with is is that in your waking hours that there is an uneasiness in your soul about what's coming next because that means you have not entered into his rest. And your Bible teaches you that you need to be diligent to enter 
into his rest. Or the pathway will lead you towards disobedience. I didn't, I'm only in sales, not management, okay? So I'm just telling you what God said. God has cleared, made this clear to you and I that there is a rest for the people of God. And we are no different than the Israelites if we're worrying from day to day about what's going to happen tomorrow and what's going to happen next week and what's going to happen in 2023 and what's going to happen in the next election. If we're all worrying about everything that's going on, then we are not entering into rest, which is robbing us and keeping us in the wilderness instead of in the promised land. Hebrews 4, 3 says that for he who believed, we who have believed do enter that rest. Your faith in what God has said over you is how you enter that rest, all right? That's how you enter that rest. So here's some things I just want to point out to you. Um, you know, I believe, in, I believe in going to church, and I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of reasons we need to be in church, but... Uh, one of the reasons is, is that to worship God, because worship is a perspective changer. It's a paradigm shift, because we're taking our focus off of us, and we're putting our focus onto God. Uh, there is no doubt, there is no doubt that the Bible teaches that in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. Everything in this world is trying to turn everything about what's going on to you. Worry about you, worry about you. Worry about you, worry about your kids, worry about your family, worry about, you know, myself. Worship takes the attention off of you and puts the attention where it belongs. And you need that to enter into rest because you can't rest if your focus is on you. Because if your focus is on you, then you still think you got to do something to make this happen. So when we, when we walk and experience the Sabbath that God has for us, the Sabbath will focus you and I on Christ as our source of identity. That's number one. Christ is our source of identity. I don't have to justify myself, and nor do I have to earn a place with God. I'm already in. You're in the club, folks. You're in the family. I mean, I don't know what else we expect God to do for us. Jesus died, bled, suffered went through all that agony, says, come to me, believe in me, receive me, and I, you're a child of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a child of God. Now, if any way that your mind's thought there that, well, I'm one of the bad children in his family, then you need to repent tonight, today before you leave here because no one is a bad child in the sight of God. I don't have to justify myself. I don't have to justify my life. I was a sinner. I've come to Christ and now I have my identity. Church, coming here into these services, being around God's people, keeps us focused. That's why we, he talks about don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Hebrews, we'll see this towards the end, as is the habit of some, and even more as the day approaches, because everything about the day is going to start making you think that you have no identity with God. Your identity is with this natural world. Your identity is in the kingdom. Amen. When I focus on God, Christ provides me inner rest. There's a passage in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah says, 
that he gives perfect peace to those whose mind is on trust in him or is stayed on him, put on him in one translation. When you and I, when we put our mind on the things of God, the things of this world, as the old hymn says, grow strangely dim. They grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Political nonsense grows strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Economic turmoil grows strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Your family shenanigans grow strangely dim. Does everybody know what shenanigans are? All right. In the light of his glory and grace. If I'm, look, if I'm living my life in worry, that means that I am not focused on my identity in Christ. It means I'm focused on my own identity in this world. Jesus said, why give thought one moment to these things? He said, your father takes care of all these things. How much more will he take care of you that he loves? Well, pastor, I wish I could believe that. We're going to have to be diligent to get yourself into a place where you believe it. And that means you have to disconnect from all the junk that's telling you something different. Amen. The Sabbath... My time in church, when I come to the house of God, it focuses me, no matter what's going on in this world, on my source of identity. Hallelujah. You know, I remember when I was uh, coaching how that um, when we would have, the, probably, especially when we had like Friday games uh, for boys, it was so tough because if you lost on Friday night in that game, you didn't have until Monday for the next practice. I always found that when I was in practice, I always felt better about what we were doing than, than I did on Saturday morning. On Saturday morning, I got up and saw what the newspaper said. On Saturday morning, I'm still dealing with what we just went through. On Saturday morning, I'm still... But on Monday morning, when we're back in that environment, now I'm not... I'm back with these others. I'm back... You know, and it's, it, it always amazed me with the kids that, uh, that I coached that... The losses seemed to bother me way more than they bothered them, and uh, which probably had a lot more to do with my pride. So, you know, without Christ as our focus, you will work even when you are resting. But with Christ, you can rest even while you are working, while you are working. The Sabbath, the rest that I need, focuses me on Christ as my source of security. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Psalm 127, 1-2 Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you, empty, this is empty, for you to get up early and stay up late and eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. He gives his beloved sleep. That you and I, that look, if it's all about us, then we're not realizing that he is the watchman. If it's all about us, then we are the ones that think we're the builders. He's the builder. If we build without him, we're building in vain. Churches that build without him are building in vain. I don't care how much they're talking about it's for God's glory if they're building without him, without his direction, without his leadership, without his anointing upon it, then they're building it in vain. It's just going to be a building that will go someplace else. 
You're going to see in the next 10 years, I, I'm, I, I, hate to, I hate to be the bearer of this information, but within the next 10 years, you'll see churches that will close down. Because, look, because the decisions that they made away from God now have the repercussions of them trying to do it without God. This does not work without God. And you cannot pick and choose what you believe about God. Well, we believe, you know, we believe it's our, our right for a woman to choose to have an abortion, but we still believe that Jesus saves. Uh, look, you're picking and choosing what you believe. You either believe it all or you don't believe it all. That's good preaching, Pastor. The, fo the, the Sabbath, my time, my focus, like when I come to church, I realize Christ is my source of security. See, I hate that there are calendars that make the first day of the week Monday. I hate that. I know that you can do that. You know, when you, have, you set up your iPhone or your Android, they'll ask you in your calendar, what do you want the first day of the week to be? To me, the first day of the week is the one I give to God. At the first day of the week, that's when they gathered together. In the Bible, it tells you in 1 Corinthians, they gathered together and they, they brought their gifts to God and they fellowshiped with one another and they broke bread. Why was that? Because what I do at the beginning of my week will determine how the end of my week finishes. You know, it's like someone said, you either pray in the morning or you're going to end up praying at night. I choose to just go ahead and pray those things out in the morning instead of having to wait till the evening and I'm trying to reflect back on what happened that day. See, what, 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 what church does for me is what coming in the Sabbath, the rest, this day is a, a day of Sabbath, is to, to, to lay down, not from working, because I'm working today. Thank you. No, but what I'm doing is, is I'm resting because I'm resting in that it's not about me. I tell God, I have to tell God, when I was younger I didn't do this, but I tell God all the time, Lord, I realize that as I go to preach in this message, without your anointing, I'm nothing. This does not work. It's just intellectual garbage and information. But with you and your word, Lord God, I am an anointed vessel that's bringing the oracles of God to your people and lives will be transformed through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the strong words, I'm going to have to wrap up, but one of the strong words that was given for this year is, is that this will be a strong year for the work of the Holy Spirit. I think for the believer, it's going to be more about recognizing how much the Holy Spirit wants to be woven into everything that you're doing than it is just coming to church and being led by the Spirit. That's what I think church does, is it keeps us focused, keeps us focused on what's most important. It keeps my identity focused. It keeps my security focused where it needs to be. And then I love the last one and then I'll be done. And the Sabbath focused me on Christ as my priority, that he's number one. But seek first, he said, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So Hebrews 4.1 finishes as we finish up here today, says, therefore, there is a sense of promise remains of entering his rest. Let us fear, let's be serious about this, lest any of us seem to come short of it. There is a rest for the people of God. It's time, you know, week after week, and, that, and that's why we're here. We pray for people here at these altars that are carrying the care of the world. Do you know that Jesus told us that the care of this world would be one of those things that would kill the seed in your life? 
No matter what he said, no matter how much he wants to move, the care of what's going on. And when I talk about care, I'm not just talking about what's happening in the media. I'm talking about what's going on in your family. I'm talking about what's going on in your money right now. I'm talking about what you're thinking about with your health, what reports you're getting. Look, if we let the care of that overwhelm us, the worry of it overwhelm us, it will choke the seed. It will choke the seed, according to Jesus. And when it does, it will stop us from becoming to experience the fruit that God wants for us. There is a rest for you. It's a Sabbath. Sunday helps make that happen. That's why it's so important. Coming on together with other believers in this place. Because, look, we're not in here presenting, you know, the latest reader digest information. We're in here talking about what God says in his word. And sometimes it kicks you in the pants. I mean, it's okay. And sometimes it grabs you in its arms and comforts you and, and gives you solace. And sometimes it makes you cheerful because it's, hope all of a sudden all those things happen in the house of the lord and all of them need to happen in the house of the lord stand up with me if you would hallelujah you know this thing about sleep is important um medically if you don't sleep your body doesn't have time to rebuild you're just physically wearing yourself out you need to be able to sleep at night with that rest you got, would, huh? Go ahead. If, you, it, if you don't do that, it will begin to affect your health. It will begin to affect everything about. And so there is a rest that God wants you to enter into when you lay your head on that pillow at night. Let us pray for you today. I mean, if that's an issue that you're dealing with, let her have that mic for a second. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, Pastor was talking about you know, signs of the time, signs of the end. And I was sitting back here with um, Torrance, and uh, when he talked about going to Branson, you know, that you see the signs along the way, and then you'll know when you're there is when you see the sign, welcome to Branson. And she leaned to me, and she said, it's like going to Cedar Point. And I thought about that as, as children, you know, as we're in the car, you know, we see the signs, we're on our way to Cedar Point or we're on our way to someplace where, you know, mom and dad said that we're going and the excitement that arises in there, you see the signs along the way. Yeah. And then whenever you get there and you experience it and you're so excited, and we've done this before, we're enjoying the benefit of arriving. Yeah. And then we get there and we're like, oh man, wouldn't the kids really enjoy this? Yeah. Wouldn't so and so. So my point in saying all of that is, is that we see the signs you know, along the way, and, and unfortunately, the signs in the world are doom and gloom, but as a believer, that should put some excitement in us. We shouldn't be going around heavy burdened and not having rest Come on, because we're seeing the signs. As a believer, we should be rejoicing that the end is coming. Yeah. We're almost there. Come on. But then here's the other part of that. We ought to be so excited that the end is coming. We're almost there. Hey, and don't you want to come along with me? Amen. Yeah. And enjoy this because it's going to be awesome. This is not the end. The end is going to be whenever we, it's the end. Yeah. yeah. But we are to bring as many people along the trip as we can because it's going to be awesome. Amen. The ride is going to be 
cool. It's going to be magnificent. You're going to see scenery like you've never seen before. Oh, and the joy and the peace and the love. You think you've had joy, peace, love here. Wait till you get there. And so don't, don't be so burdened down with, oh, my gosh, the signs. Here's another sign. Yeah. No, we look at the sign and go, oh, Ten more miles. We're almost there. We're almost there. It's almost the end. Amen. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Let me pray for you. And Chuck, come on. You come on over. Father, I just pray. Would you lift your hands right now? And uh, Father, there is a rest for the people of God. Lord, I just, I pray today, Lord, as we take this time of prayer at the end of today's service, Father God, that, Lord, that, the heavy heart, Lord God, would not walk out of here without relief. Lord, would not walk out of this building today without experiencing the peace that passes all understanding. God, that we would be diligent to enter to the rest that you have for us. And we would allow what you have provided for us, these uh, awesome prayer team, Lord God, that can pray with us, that we would utilize that in our life to get us to that place of rest and Sabbath in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.